Hello and welcome back. My name is Kevin Spila from the CPA Education Foundation, and I'll be your host for this episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth. Have you looked at a business and said, man, I wish I'd thought of that. How did they get started? Or had someone say to you, you're really good at that. You should start a business. And you think, nah, it's just a hobby. Well, believe it or not, but you can turn your hobby or your passion into a business. Sometimes you just need the planets to align, and you need to be open to the opportunity when it comes your way. That, in a nutshell, is how our guest started his brewing business. Joining me today from Calgary, Alberta, through the magic of Zoom, is Conrad Farrell, CPA, CA, founder and CEO of True Booch Kombucha. We're going to talk about his experience and motivation behind starting True Booch with his wife, Louisa, and the impact the COVID-19 pandemic has had on not only their business, but the charities they support. So let's hear it straight from the CPA's mouth. I heard that future casting is an essential tool for long-term business. According to a recent poll, 48% of Canadians say they are $200 or less each month away from Filter out the noise. Hear it straight from the CPA's mouth. Hello again, and welcome to Straight from the CPA's Mouth, and welcome, Conrad. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Kevin. Glad to be here. Great. So I guess we'll just start with uh, the basics. Question about kombucha. It's been around for a long time, and it's been popular in European countries for decades, but it is relatively new to Canada. For our listeners who may not know, could you explain what kombucha is and what the health benefits are? Sure. In a, in a general nutshell, kombucha is a fermented tea. Um, it dates back to the uh, Chinese dynasty back thousands of years ago, um, where that culture at that time was making their fermented drink of their choice, and that was um, kombucha. So every culture throughout history of time kind of has their own uh, fermented food that um, helped with preservation and also helped with gut flora and just gave general health benefits. And so the example would be sauerkraut, um, yogurt those types of products. Um, kombucha is in kind of the same category. However, it's a beverage. It's a naturally effervescent, delicious uh, beverage that is low in sugar and great in high in, high in um, amino acids, probiotics, um, vitamin B12. Um, it's just a great alternative to soda and, it's, and it tastes delicious as well. Okay. So how did you first get interested in uh, kombucha and why did you start brewing it? Well, since this is a CPA uh, podcast, it was all connected to me writing and studying for the UFI, um, which uh, now it's called something else. I believe I can't remember the name of the new new exam, but the UFI was the CA exam at the time. Right. And it's a three day exam. Obviously, everybody knows that. And so I was trying to figure out a way to uh, hone into my focus. And what happened was I was diving into health benefits and gut flora and how the gut and the brain interact. And so the better your gut is, the better your brain and focus is. And so that got me down the path of um, finding ways to get probiotics and um, my gut flora as healthy as it could be to write the CA exam. Um, I have a lot of allergies and a lot of health issues. So that was just a, a, an add-on that just was something that I wanted to do personally. And it also was a benefit to writing the exam. Okay. What motivated you to turn that into a business? Uh, were you always an aspiring entrepreneur or... Um, yeah, so I did my CA, um, CPA as a way to 
get a crash course or not really a crash course, an extended crash <laughs> course, I guess, in, in business and business acumen. And my father was, is a CA as well. Okay. Um, so he's an entrepreneur. So I kind of learned from his ropes and I saw the benefit from it. I always knew I was going to run and own my own business in some form or fashion. Didn't ex- expect it to be in the food CPG category, beverage category, but here we are. Um, and the way it kind of started was I was brewing this kombucha post the exam and, and, and post CA exam. And I was brewing it for years and years in, in my home and, and using it as an alternative to beer because I stopped drinking beer. And so I was bringing it to parties and friends and family were like, why don't you sell this uh, commercially? And so the stars kind of aligned when the company I was with, we sold that company. I was a CFO of a company. We sold it and I had some time and some free capital to try something new. So that's where I am today. Okay. So the planets really did align for you. They did. The timing was good. It was uh, the beginning of kind of the kombucha migration from California was really the birthplace of it from making it a, a commercial product. Right. You know, it was homebrewed from let's call it the hippie world was homebrewing it for many, many decades. And then it kind of made it into a commercial realm out of California through GT, GT Dave, who is the pioneer of kombucha 15 years ago. Okay. Commercially. One of the things that I found interesting um, when looking at your website, uh, both inspiring and interesting, actually, is that right from the beginning, uh, you had made it your mission to not just build a business, uh, but to give back to the community. Uh, can you talk a little bit about why that was so important? What kinds of organizations or projects you guys support? Yeah, so when my wife and I uh, came up with the idea to do TrueBooch and what we wanted to do as a business, we wanted to originally have it as a, a purely as a social enterprise. Mm-hmm. Then we realized that was going to be very difficult. So it needs to have a social enterprise aspect to it. And so we decided to always from day one to contribute about 10% of our profits to uh, local charities that uh, are dear to our hearts. Okay. And the reason we did that is is basically, you know, like brands, start in their hometown right and they, they kind of migrate and they kind of grow and expand nationally and, and really your true fans hashtag true fans <laughs> true booch, is that they're the ones that created you like we started off in a farmer's market and we had these fans that would come in and they would tell their friends and it just kind of snowballed that way right it's all word right. of mouth we did zero marketing we had zero advertising budget really it was all word of mouth so so what we did was we said, well, these are the people that are supporting us. We need to go back into that community and support them as well. And it's kind of a circle of a so circle of support, right? That right. Calgary and Calgary small businesses need to work together. And so what we did was we looked at things like MealShare, right? MealShare gives uh, gives meals to they team up with restaurants and, and organizations to give meals to the underprivileged, right? Okay. Uh, we have. Uh, Genesis basketball that we support that's uh, underprivileged kids to 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 support them to play basketball and 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 sports in general right uh, one of my favorites is arcs which is the um, it's the um, shelter for dogs and, and animals okay. um, every year we support uh, a dog in need that maybe needs a massive surgery so we send a few thousand dollars there every year for one specific dog to fix whatever problems going on so they can live their life and 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 maybe end up in a home that you know, that family is going to love them and, and they'll be unconditional love forever, right? So it's kind of, Trubuch is kind of designed around the premise of giving back to the community because uh, it's what supported us. Okay, that, yeah, that's great. And and you guys have been in business since about 2014, right? Correct, yeah. And you've been quite successful, in, um, including receiving multiple Made in Alberta awards. I think uh, that was just uh, this past year, if I'm not mistaken. So 
obviously, the COVID-19 pandemic has had an impact. Uh, but prior to that, what, what do you think uh, has been your biggest challenge to date? Biggest challenge is trying to understand an industry you know nothing about. Right. Um, I didn't come from the CPG world. I didn't come from the grocery world. I worked as a as a bag clerk at Safeway when I was 16 years old. But right. beyond that, I didn't understand the ins and the outs of uh, everything from what it takes to get onto the big grocery store shelves, what it costs, the margins, who who has their hands out for different aspects of distribution costs. Um, there's a lot of lingo. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, you know, old, old school systems, let's call it where right. um, it's just, it's a, it's a lot to navigate. It's a big space, right? Like there's so many, like the thousands and thousands of CPG products on the mm-hmm. shelves at any grocery store, everybody's competing for that space. And kombucha is getting even more competition as the days go on because of its popularity. And so um, just navigating that world and in, in different aspects of it and manufacturing, like, right. We, we, I, I didn't come from a manufacturing background right. either. So it went from, you know, we we do everything in-house where a lot of consumer packaged goods hire it out to a third party to make it, they come up with a formula, but then they send it to a third party to make, we do it all in-house, right? So mm-hmm. everything is here and made and we're, we're fully integrated and we're just trying to navigate this space that we uh, learned six years ago and still learning every day. It's pretty humbling. Right. So what do you think are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from starting a company based on a product that nobody basically knew about here in Canada? The lessons I learned was to don't sell yourself short. Um, I always was hesitant to grow faster than maybe I could have or should have in hindsight, but everything's hindsight, right? And Mm -hmm. so we we grew from day one, we were profitable and we were cash flow positive. And that isn't normally the case for any company, let alone a consumer packaged good company, right? And we did that very grassroots, very uh, bootstrapped. We we took every dollar that was made and and reinvested it and never took any investor money and never took any debt until we needed to three or four years in, four years in. And so in hindsight, that's maybe not the way, you know, you're taught in business 101 is to, you know, find some good cheap money, find some debt, you know, rely on friends and family, but I never wanted to do that. I wanted to grow a business on its own merit and its own, and its own success versus it just having a bunch of cash in the bank and us burning it. Um, Cause if there's money in the bank, you're going to use it. Right. So we kind of, mm-hmm. we kind of ran on a very shoestring budget, but in hindsight, if I had done things maybe on that business one-on-one where I raised a few dollars, we could have grabbed more of the market share because it was such a, a, a fast paced, at the beginning where there wasn't very many players, like the example would have been the writing was on the wall when I was turning away customers because I couldn't produce enough. Right. Um, Maybe that was the time that I should have invested or, or uh, found some investment and grew 10 times the size we are, but that isn't my personality. So I don't have any regrets, but that's something Mm -hmm. I learned for maybe the next, uh, the next business venture I go into. Okay. Interesting. Just uh, going back to the pandemic for a second. Um, how has COVID-19 affected your operations and what have you had to do differently? When we originally started the company, Louise and I, we started off strictly in draft, meaning that, you know, you have a, a draft station and a, and a draft tap, no different than draft beer, right? Right. And we have growlers. And so we had this whole kind of uh, environmental side of things where we wanted to be zero waste and we wanted to have these growlers, you know, being reused and refilled all over with our growler stations scattered across Alberta. 
And with the COVID-19, Alberta Health Services decided to shut that all down. And so that was, uh, at this time, was 40% of our revenue because that's how we originally started it. And the draft program is very successful and people love to have that environmental, knowing that they're doing something environmentally friendly where they're not just buying a single use bottle, they're buying a growler and reusing it. So we lost 40% of our revenues that way. And so what we did was we really transitioned quickly and put our growlers, our refill growlers online. um, And we put our our cases online as well for Calgary and Calgary area residents. And so we've been busy. We got a driver going out six or five days a week, eight hours a day, dropping off to our true fans, right? That you could that weren't able to get their growlers refilled somewhere else and 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 because of the refill stations are shut down mm-hmm. and they weren't wanting to go to the grocery stores because of the pandemic obviously right they wanted home delivery so right. we transitioned within i think from thought to to website and, and store open was about five days right and we're we had all at the beginning of the first couple months of it, it was crazy we had about five drivers out every day doing just crazy amounts of um, hours in delivery. So it was humbling. We thought we might get five orders and we got 500 in the first week type thing, right? So wow. um, it, it, it was very humbling to see how much Calgary loves you and how much, you know, our our community involvement uh, kind of came full circle to support us and vice versa, right? And yeah. that's that's kind of where Trubuch loves to see that is that, you know, we're, we're in the community the Calgarians love us. This is where, where we're born and raised. I'm born and raised in Calgary. And yeah. so it was humbling to see that support for sure. Yeah, no, that's great. It's definitely come full circle that way. huh? Do you guys just uh, deliver in Calgary? Do you operate outside of the Calgary area or, or just locally for now? We're, we're a national brand yeah. focused mainly on Western Canada, all the way from the coast of Vancouver coast to or Victoria coast, all the way to the prairies. We're a little bit in Ontario, but from a home delivery standpoint we personally deliver deliver in calgary like our our Trubuch van and our distribution but through our partners with spud and save on foods you can order on their websites for home delivery as well okay um, in vancouver calgary and edmonton okay you, you mentioned that the uh, the community came back and supported you during this time so um how has uh, the pandemic affected how you can assist the community further um, the pandemic's been interesting, right? Like there's a lot of uh, a lot of businesses that um, aren't doing well, right? So when they're not doing well, they're not going to continue to support charities as well, right? right? And so we had to dial that back a bit because, you know, we had a business to run and, and I know the charities do too. And I feel, I feel real bad for charities across the board, not even just the ones we support. Absolutely. But in general that have lost that extra... Uh, cash flow to support their initiatives. And I mean, we, when things come back and, and, and the cash flow is back and, and, you know, we're, we're back in the green versus the red, um, we obviously will go back to support those. And we still do. We still, we still support our initiatives just in a lo- lower dollar value, just because it is what it is. Everybody's kind of in um, uh, dire straits sometimes more yeah. than more so than others, but you know, we've been very fortunate where we, we knock on wood every day that we're still, we still have operations. We still have sales. We still have people buying our product, not as much as before, but mm-hmm. um, hopefully that all ends and we can start supporting our community even more than we used to before and, and getting back to that. And I think that's what the pandemic has shown to Calgarians, to Canadians, to the world that you need to really focus on your local community first. Right. You need to, 
ignore the Amazons of the world and shop local. Mm-hmm. You need to to do these things to keep the dollars in your community because as soon as the dollars aren't there, they go somewhere else. That means there's less employment, there's less opportunities for the people in your community, right? And and that's just something we're trying to do is really stay local, buy local, and in turn hope that Calgarians do the same for us. Right. That makes sense. Just circling back then to today's theme, um, are there any ways a person can tell if they should pursue transforming their hobbies into a career? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a bit, it's a big jump, and right. and um, if I'd known what the struggles were going to be like the first, well, we're in six years, the first six years, <laughs> I would have, if I'd known already, and how that would, have, if the feelings that it portrayed, and the, a lot of sleepless nights, and and anxiety, and the stress, and the and and all that kind of things, I I say that I probably wouldn't have done it. But that would be a lie because I've I, I don't know what else I would have done. So right. I'm the kind of personality that I would have done it no matter how bad I know it is. So you just yeah. need to do a gut check. Not everybody is designed to be an entrepreneur, and that's I mean that's a reality, and that's that's coming from somebody that was very naive mm-hmm. to know what being a business owner and a business runner is. Um, there's a lot of challenges, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of risk, right? And you have to do a gut check to do that now. That's on the personal side of things. Now, on the product side of things, you need to do the testing as, you know, test with friends and family, do Google AdWords, test it, make an online store, sell it on Etsy, whatever your product or service is. Before you jump in, just do a little trial. I mean, my trial was, you know, bringing it to parties and events and, right. and gatherings and people trying it and getting feedback. And, and, you know, I spent five, six years playing with my formula before it became a commercial success, right? Right. And I had the luxury of doing that. I had a job. I had things I could do. And 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 I think people just need to to sit back and say it's not as easy as it looks, but it's also also not as hard as it looks. So okay. if if you if you are focused and really want to do be an entrepreneur, then be an entrepreneur. If you're thinking about only the dollars and that you're going to make millions of dollars, that's that's the wrong approach. Okay. You need to kind of look at it from a is this the lifestyle and the personal reward I get from the hard work going into it and seeing something from uh, infancy to, 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 to success? Is that something I'm going to want to work very hard and sleepless nights and 12 hour days at, right. if that's something you want to do, then by all means jump two feet in and do it because you will be very successful. If you're on the fence, you kind of have to get a gut check and figure out, how much energy and time you want to put into something and where your risk profile sits. Right. Okay. Speaking of risk, uh, like many people are afraid of trying to monetize their personal interests because of the risk of failure. What advice would you have for them? Uh, failure is inevitable. That's <laughs> okay. basically it. Um, um, if you don't fail, then you're doing something wrong. Okay. And I learned that the hard way. I've, I've had a lot of failures in this last 12 years of my life, but a lot of them happened in the last six years with Truebooch in different okay. forms or fashion. And the failures is where you learn and where you grow. And, and uh, the, the, the fear of failure is what prevents people from doing things. And I think that's the wrong approach. I think the fear of the failure is what you want to achieve. Okay. And once, because, because that's your only learning tool. Um, it sounds counter, it sounds kind of backwards, but it's something that took me 12 years to figure out. And I finally kind of embraced failure as a positive versus a negative. Okay. Well, it's uh, all in how you look at it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, you mentioned off the top that this was a CPA podcast, so I have a CPA question for you. Uh, how does uh, having a CPA designation help you get a leg up on turning your personal interest into a successful business venture? Um, as I said, we're we've always been cash flow positive and uh, profitable from day one, mm-hmm. and. I think I have a lot of that to attribute to the CPA program in all honesty. Like when I I came from KPMG and I was in the enterprise division, which was the small business side of things. I, okay. I saw a lot of small businesses. I was there for seven years. I was a manager. I saw a lot of a lot of clients that had their struggles, had their successes, and I saw the things that worked and the things that didn't. And what it all boiled down to was people not focusing on profit and 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 only focusing on sales and only only focusing on you know, raising the money, but not doing the things to, to make that money work for them and those okay. kind of things. Right. And and so when I sat back, I said, from day one, I want to be able to present this company in a way that is always for sale. Okay. If that makes sense. So okay. it is always going to be profitable. So how do I do that? Well, I need to always be within lean but also strategic in that form or fashion. And, and, and being a CA is definitely, or a CPA is definitely what helped me understand that dynamic and that big picture stuff of how a business from its PL, from its cash flow, from its balance sheet works to be profitable from day one. I mean, we had a, we had we had the benefit of there was high demand for our product. We weren't creating something from scratch that hadn't hadn't been tested in the market yet. There's already right. players. I was just one of the first Canadian players, let's call it, to come to market. Okay. Um, so I had that advantage and 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 maybe it wouldn't have been the same outcome from day one if I had a different product, but that's my mentality. And if you go with that mentality that, you know, profits first, cash flow first, making sure that you have a strong balance sheet and you understand the numbers, your business will more likely than not be successful than be a failure. Okay, and I think that's what the CPA program really teaches you in 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 a broad spectrum, right? Okay, so that sounds great. So we are nearing the end of our time. Just uh, one final question, then: What's next for TrueBooch? Um, yeah, the pandemic kind of put hold on a few things. We had national expansion um, aspirations to be to compete with the top two Canadian brands in in, in Canada. Unfortunately, what happened was with the pandemic is uh, a product like kombucha, uh, it has to get into people's mouths to understand it. Only about 10% of the population actually know what it is. Mm-hmm. And and so it's not like beer. It's not like pop. It's not like chips. You have to you have to explain what it is and you also have to have the customer taste it. And, and with the pandemic, all sampling, all in-store, at grocery store samplings have all been shut down. There's There's no way for us to have that touch point with customers and with our potential uh, distributors and buyers as well. Like everything's over Zoom, but you can't really have those conversations and those touch points unless you're shipping kombucha across the country, um, having them sample it, but you can't sit in in the same room with them and have a discussion and talk about flavor profiles. So what happened in the grocery world is a lot of grocery guys went, they just put a hold on any new product entries into their business, right? Okay. Because of the pandemic, they had other... other bigger fish to fry. And that's been the common theme for the last year and a half. We're hoping that once this kind of pandemic ends, that we can penetrate the Ontario market, 
uh, the East Coast, uh, get bigger and, and and deeper into the BC market. Okay. Um, we're very dominant in Alberta, but we want to kind of penetrate those different markets that um, we now have the capacity to do. We just moved into a uh, in December 2019, about three months before the pandemic, <laughs> we moved into a brand new 10,000 square foot beautiful facility that we can do about 20x our production right now. Right. And so uh, we want to utilize that space. We want to do national expansion. We want to we want to get into different product lines. Um, you know, so there's yeah. there's a lot of things on in the hopper. It's just yeah. a matter of once the pandemic ends and how that looks and how purchasers and buyers decide to look at our look at Tribute and hopefully they put them on the shelf. Right. So there's a lot of hurry up and wait. Yeah, hurry up and wait. And we're just kind of in a holding period and we're pretty blessed and humbled that we have uh, a business that still can keep everybody employed and keep everybody happy and still churn. Mm-hmm. It's just we want to get bigger and bigger, better aspirations as a as a company for the next five to 10 years for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And good luck to you with that. I, I, I hope things uh, turn out well for you. Thank you, Conrad, for joining me and sharing your story. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Great. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Straight from the CPA's Mouth. This episode featured Conrad Farrell, CPA, CA, founder and CEO of Trubooch Kombucha. Don't forget to subscribe to the Straight from the CPA's Mouth mailing list. And if you like what you're hearing, have ideas for future episodes, or have any feedback you'd like to share, email us at knowledgecenter@cpaalberta.ca, or leave us a comment on social media. And finally, if you're interested in learning more about the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center, you can learn more at cpaalberta.ca slash foundation. Thanks for listening. Straight from the CPA's Mouth is brought to you by the CPA Education Foundation. The CPA Education Foundation is the charitable arm of the Alberta CPA profession, providing up to $1.2 million each year in support of business and accounting education in the province. This podcast is just one of many resource materials available through the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center. This virtual hub features Alberta CPAs sharing their unique perspective and vast expertise on topics and issues such as leadership, finance, entrepreneurship, and more. Visit cpaalberta.ca slash foundation for more information on the Heshi CPA Knowledge Centre and to learn how Alberta CPAs inspire success.